Welcome back to the Audio Cilantro Podcast. I'm Josh, and as always, I'm joined by Matt. And today we're going to be going over the Dunning-Kruger effect. So with our last episode, uh, we recorded it. It was great. We had a guest, uh, Josh's good friend Brendan. Yeah, it was a really it was it was by far our best podcast so far. Great interview. He had a lot of insightful things to say, but uh, just like our topic today, we kind of went through a little bit of uh, technical <laughs> difficulties, and um, the whole time it wasn't recording Brendan's voice. Fortunately, the other mics picked it up, and we're going to release it eventually, but uh, the sound quality's garbage. Hot garbage. Like, Hot garbage. It, it is it's not. It's so bad. It's, it's not good. Um, but it was a great, great... Um, the content is really good. Yeah. Really Learned good. a lot about wine. Really fun having Brendan over, and I'd like to have him over again. Yeah, for sure. And apologies for not releasing anything um, in the last couple. Month. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Life has been busy and technical difficulties, so all the way around, many apologies, but we have a great episode for you today. Um, so Matt, how about you fling it off here? Yeah, so uh, just to start, what the Dunning-Kruger curve or effect is, is uh, a cognitive bias about um, your experience level versus how confident you are in something. So it's a graph. So on the y-axis, uh, you have confidence. On the x-axis, you have competence. So how much you know versus how much you think you know. <laughs> how confident you are about a subject compared to what you actually know. So the less you know, the more likely you're to be, like, overestimate your abilities. So obviously when you start learning about a subject, um, do you have a good example? I guess we could say podcasting or audio engineering. Well, yeah, that was the thing is, you know, I assumed that three would be just as easy as two, but we still ran into that issue. And we came in with immense confidence. <laughs> Well, like yeah, yeah. It's, it's a plug and play, right? So I don't know where we are with our with our audio engineering skills. I'd say we're uh, I'd say we're almost at the valley of despair. I'm at the valley of despair. <laughs> but anyhow, um, well, so the fact that it didn't pick it up was just absolutely crushing. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we still have a little bit of stuff, so yeah, that, that that'll be good. Yeah. So to explain what the graph looks like here, you start you know at zero. You have you know you know nothing and you don't have confidence because you haven't started learning anything and then you quickly excel as you start learning about a given subject um, to a place called the peak of Mount Stupid. That's where you think you know everything but you don't. <laughs> well here's the interesting thing is uh, anyone who's heard about this before this is the graph that they'll imagine like a sharp increase in uh, confidence when you know the least and then it plummets down when you know the most. But when you look at the actual study that was done, it's not the same graph. Really? Yeah. This is what I found really interesting is uh, it doesn't quite correlate what's permeated through pop culture. Mm -hmm. Isn't what was actually in the study. But the takeaway is the same. And I've even seen some stuff where... Um, some people have argued that uh, there was errors in the methodology and the, when they did the study yeah the curve itself so what people actually look at is the thing passed around social media and it's used as a thing to say this is why dumb people think they're so smart 
but really it's not as dramatic as the graph passed around. So I looked up an once. example of like someone trying to relay the Dunning-Kruger curve. Sure. And it said the Dunning-Kruger effect is the guy at the end of the bar that's really loud talking about every subject. <laughs> <laughs> it is said that is a good example of the Dunning-Kruger effect. And uh, and I, uh, apparently everybody kind of goes through it, um, maybe in their own way. Depends on how you deal with confidence, you know, whether you internalize that confidence or you externalize it by being loud and vocal. <laughs> the funny thing is you can, like, almost totally mitigate it. Yeah. Um, as long as you're aware that you're going to be... You have to anticipate not... the valley of despair, essentially. Yeah, and then it's, you know, just going into something. It's kind of and... like the stages of grief. <laughs> sort of, yeah. Yeah. Because um, you can you can anticipate that as well. Because if you go into it blind, you just, you lose control. <laughs> um, and a lot of, did it say anything about people like giving up? on a given subject because of that valley of despair? Is there like a crazy number of people that just stop doing something because they're like, oh. Uh, It didn't really go into that. Um, I guess that's hard to measure unless you did a study. Well, yeah, that's the other thing is stuff like this is really hard to measure, especially since it's, you know, how you perceive yourself and your own skills. Yeah. So you get up to the peak of Mount Stupid where you have high confidence, low knowledge, then you quickly plummet once you start learning more about the subject and you learn what you don't know and how much there is that goes into it. You plummet to the valley of despair. And then as you learn more, your confidence builds more steadily. But what I found on a lot of these um, examples is that, and I think you have something that is different than this, but when you get max, you know, when you max out on, on competence, on the things you do know, that you're, confidence level never reaches where you were on Mount Stupid. It's like your confidence will never be at that bliss of not knowing anything but thinking you know everything. <laughs> well, the thing that I think is most interesting about the graph that's passed around mm -hmm. is it feels right, you know? Yeah. Even though it's not what was actually measured. Because mm -hmm. if you've ever done anything, our, our example being, you know, flubbing the interview audio is uh, you, you feel the curve. Mm-hmm. And you feel the slow, the slow rise in confidence again once you plummet from that blissful, that blissful beginning. It's kind of sad though, you know. Wisdom is not <laughs> bliss. <laughs> wisdom is just kind of uh, subtle. I think is what that shows. Like when you yeah. know a lot of stuff, it's kind of like, you know, you're kind of like the old man. Like you know everything, you fix it, you just don't talk about it because you're just like, eh, it's like I still don't know everything. But yeah, the main takeaway is and this is an obvious result to a lot of people, but the more you know about something, the easier it is to spot your own errors. Yeah. Like at the beginning, you just don't know what you don't know. Yeah, and, and that's obvious in a lot of professional stuff. You know, when, you're, when you go to college and you're learning your profession or when you are in your career and you, and you get into there, there's another thing called uh, um, imposter syndrome. You ever heard of imposter yeah. syndrome? Yeah. It's kind of like that, right? Yeah, it, it all ties into the same thing, I think. Well, I guess imposter syndrome, you're kind of having the opposite, right? Because I bet you're more confident than you think with a lot of the times with imposter syndrome. But I think that follows the curve pretty well because you, you, know, you graduate college and you think you're all prepared for your career. And once you get in, you 
you plummet to the valley and then you you have oh yeah if you're you talking more, about yeah, that yeah. you have more competence but your confidence is really low so it takes like a good leader or manager to be like no you got this you can do this you know you know what to do you just need to build your confidence up but the other interesting thing is when it plays into your hobbies things that don't really have you know you don't go into it with thinking it'll be intellectual like me and you we do we do a lot of climbing outdoor climbing well that's another interesting example because I went into it just being like, I know nothing, show me everything. Yeah. Because if you don't, you, you just die. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have to really anticipate how just how bad you'll be with something the like curve. that. And we go through that every single time we go outside to climb. <laughs> We're like, we know nothing, even though we have perfect, we have perfect ability to like be safe on the wall. We still look at it as... I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, I do that all the time when I'm on the wall. But it's much easier to realize your lack of confidence when there's a 150-foot <laughs> fall drop, to yeah. your death because of one simple error. <laughs> but there's a lot to know with a lot of different things. It's, it's kind of crazy. So researching into this a little more and going back to the first paper that was in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology in uh, 1999... He starts out with the funniest example. Um, I'll just uh, paraphrase what this was. Um, so a guy's robbing a bank, right? No disguise, nothing. He just walks in, robs it, walks out. They catch him pretty easily because no attempt at a disguise. And uh, when the police show him the tapes and they're interrogating him, he's like, but I wore the juice. The so, juice. yeah, so... Um, he was under the impression that when you rub your face with lemon juice, it makes you invisible to video, <laughs> video recording. What? what the hell? Where the hell did he get that idea? I, I don't know how he thought of this. Keep in mind, this was like a really long time ago. Oh, okay. But I like, wore the juice. The incident happened in 1995. Walked into two Pittsburgh banks and robbed them broad daylight. <laughs> but i wore the juice man I put the lemon juice on the face yeah i was invisible man <laughs> oh, that's so that's crazy. just like peak overestimating your own abilities you have this spy scenario in your head oh my god the invisible man <laughs> it's just me and my clothes <laughs> but it's just a dude with a sticky face oh my gosh that's crazy that's so funny. And the other thing I ran into uh, looking at this stuff, which I actually enjoyed looking at it more than the Dunning-Kruger stuff, is um, it was actually the recipient of the Ig Nobel Prize in 1994, I want to say. So that's when this, this, that's when this all became a thing, was in the 90s? Uh, right. The pa oh. Or not 94, excuse me. The paper was published in 99, so... Uh, yeah, they won the prize in the 2000s, or 2000. But the study came out in 94? In 99. Oh, okay. The guy who um, did the bank robbery was in... Uh, 95. Yeah. Interesting. Have you ever heard of the Ig Nobel Prizes? No, I don't know what that is. Okay, so these are awesome in... I was so excited when I found this. Um, the Ig Nobels are like a parody of the Nobels. So oh. like the Razzies to the Oscars. 
and they're awesome. It's a celebration of all the weirdest scientific research discoveries of that year. And this was a pretty normal one, so until I looked into it a little more, I didn't... I wasn't aware of how funky some of the stuff was. This is what you have pulled up here? Yeah, the winners. <laughs> um, What's the weirdest one? Oh, dude, there's a lot of fucking weird ones. Like, uh, a guy won in 2015. <laughs> Physics under 2002 presented to Arnd Like. Um, for demonstra- demonstrating that beer froth obeys the mathematical law of exponential decay. Yeah, it's all stuff <laughs> like that. There was one... Um, exponential decay on beer froth. <laughs> that was um, all mammals, Yeah. irregardless of their size. Mm-hmm. So like mouse to an elephant, it takes them 21 seconds to urinate, give or take 13 seconds. Really? Yeah. What? That's insane. That deserves just a Nobel. <laughs> a normal one. That's crazy. 21 seconds for all mammals to yeah, urinate. With a margin of error of 13 seconds either direction. It's probably because all the pipes and tubing <laughs> gets bigger with well, the yeah, bladder. Yeah. Like, it's all the same the ratio. And the fluid dynamics work yeah. out the same. That's crazy. There was a 2015, a person figured out how, to, or a team figured out how to unboil an egg unboil an egg like return it back to its original state uh yeah so dissolving the egg and then unfolding the proteins the funny thing is is that one is actually kind of a big deal but it just sounds weird you know uh there was a guy who won for bear armor damn like all sorts of weird shit i'm trying to find some of the funnier ones so i don't mean to uh digress here but with the whole 21 second urination thing (laughs) um, what about like the old guys that like you know they'll like sit there and be at the urinal for like two minutes well that's assuming normal function i Uh, didn't look into each specific thing i don't want (laughs) to now you got me all curious about other stuff back to the curve back to the curve is there like a way to beat the this curve are there ways to like yeah they talk about it in the paper um it's just uh you know, training to anticipate it. Right. Do you still have that huge confidence plummet though? I'm, uh, just, I'm curious if you can keep that bliss while still. Not really because it lowers your overall confidence. If you come in saying, I don't know anything mm. like you're at the bottom, but you don't feel bad. Cause you're like, I don't know. I want to learn. But what if you remain ignorant the entire time? <laughs> Yeah, like I said before, it was just surprising to me that um, that got it got the award because seemingly to me it's a pretty interesting and useful thing. I guess all the it's interesting, but not necessarily world changing. Um, and something that I found really interesting was like when people are in power, like if you're like a leader of you know if you like own a business or like a leader of like a country or something, like you're the guy in charge. Um, the Dunning-Kruger effect happens, but they maintain their confidence level because they, they're <laughs> under the impression that they have to, like being in charge means that you have to have the answers. So you maintain that. Being that, in charge inherently makes me smart. Yeah, but yeah, but you, you have to, but like they're under the impression like it's their job to have the answers, right? So like they, they maintain that level of confidence, even if they don't 
have the right answer and they know they don't have the right answer, they still maintain that level of confidence. Because that's what I was talking about well, earlier. Are they just like feigning it or are they, you know? Well, I'm amazing. Yeah. Well, I think it's part, like, it could be part of that, but like. Or, or is the dip just smaller? I'm sure it's just smaller, but it's like they think it's their job to have to be the guy in the room with the confidence to make the decisions, even if they don't have the right answer. And that's what I found interesting because I knew that there there had to be a situation where you don't have that dip in confidence because you maintain your ignorance to it, right? But you have to. But I don't know if ignorance is the right word, right? Because I mean, you're ignorant no matter what at the beginning. Yeah. If, when you try something new. Yeah. It's just the dip in confidence, really. Yeah. But that maintaining of confidence as you're still learning across the graph. <laughs> I think that sounds worse, actually. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it does. Because you're not really learning as much if you're like... Well, it shows that you can have both, right? See, the curve shows that you can both have confidence and competence, but that dip, you know, like, I don't know if that's like a, like a law. I don't know if you have to go through that valley. You know, you could maintain a relatively high confidence as you gain competence, right? Because at the end well, of the graph, you have both. What, like I said, um before with the The anticipation of it yeah if you're anticipating it i mean there's no getting around that you're gonna suck at stuff when you start unless you're just some sort of a natural prodigy which you know kudos to you if you are but and what i was referencing is uh it's called smartest man in the room syndrome operate with the false belief that being in charge means always having the answer and it, it comes off as like a bad thing but honestly i think it's just a poor understanding of your responsibilities, not being able to take insight or giving anybody else the insight to give feedback on a specific subject or goal. Yeah, that's kind of weird because I, I don't know, just maintaining confidence throughout. That's what that sounds like to me, right? If there was a graph for that, smartest man in the room syndrome. Okay, well, if we're going off with the normal graph, they'd start at the peak. Yeah. Mount stupid. And I feel like internally you'd have to know, though. Yeah, maybe. Like, <laughs> Either that or be a psychopath, right? <laughs> Just, like, buying into your own hype. Yeah, hyping yourself up every single day. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. <laughs> there is no one smarter than you. There's no better leader than you. You're the most attractive. Yeah, I mean, that just sounds like doing a poor job of measuring your own abilities still i think it plays a lot into like human psychology too because so like imagine you're in the wild right and you 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 come into it as like a juvenile like say you're in a hunting party with a bunch of cavemen sure and you go into it and you're like this new you're like the new hunter (laughs) the rookie caveman yeah you're like the rookie hunter caveman and you go into it with all this confidence but you're quickly defeated by like you know the elder hunters and they'll like probably hurt you or kick you out if you maintain that level of confidence and challenge their knowledge you know so you almost have to have that lapse and dip in confidence and become quiet and introverted while you're learning so that you aren't shunned by everybody else does that make sense or is that kind of a weird example but sure i see it yeah i don't know it just (laughs) it, it almost seems like a social thing i guess like socially, I, I, you I have thought to... you were gonna go into like 
So when you're hunting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just seems like a social thing. And I wonder if you see this spectrum amongst other animals, you know? Well, something I saw. Like, is it a law of nature? Or is it just because we're social? We're like group social creatures, I guess is what I'm asking. Because like if a goose is like, like a baby goose. And they go and they fly south. And they south. have so much confidence. Yeah, they go. Baby. <laughs> yeah, like they're flying south for the winter. It's like their first time. Do they? Do you think if if we could measure it somehow, do you think they would have the same curve? Well, I mean, it's a little bit different with that because yeah, birds navigating is something else. It's not like they really have to learn it. It's instinct. And you're also following the V. I this jackass in the middle has been going east the whole time. This fucking asshole. He's brand new. <laughs> he just got here, and yet now we're going the wrong way. <laughs> Who let him at the front of the V? We're going to shun him. We're going to kick him out of the V formation. <laughs> Everyone bite it. Bite his feathers off. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry for going on that tangent. Hope it made oh, sense. <laughs> Hope it was relatable. Great. Now I'm, well, going, I'm I, going through the Dunning-Kruger curve as I'm talking about the Dunning-Kruger curve. <laughs> I don't. Know I, I mean, it. I can see how that relates to social situations because it kind of sucks when you're around someone who's just follow me. I know what's up, and it's like I know more than you. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like a social thing to me. Just uh, to another know. trouble with that is it's hard to self-assess. Mm-hmm. When, when I was looking at it. Something else I found that was interesting is most people think that they're an above average driver. And the worst drivers I've ever met without fail are like, dude, I'm amazing. Mm. Before I met you, um, I had this roommate in college and he was the worst fucking driver ever. Like he was uncomfortable unless he was going 30 miles per hour over just horribly fucking unsafe and well no I'm amazing because I drive like fast and furious <laughs> and he snapped his axle when he was trying to drift around a parking lot and I'm like oh thank god <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're a menace and you should no, not you're, be on the road <laughs> you're hoping he goes to the valley of despair you want his confidence to go yeah. down for the safety of everyone around you social situation <laughs> I wasn't thinking about it in those terms, but yeah, like that kind of plays into it, right? It's kind of a social thing. You're waiting for him to go through the curve. And the other thing with self-reporting, how well you're doing at something, mm-hmm. everyone has a different definition of what's good, mm-hmm. which is why the driver thing is so interesting because someone who's doing crazy maneuvers and weaving in and out of traffic like i'm good did you see that move i pulled versus someone like no i'm a good driver i go slow i don't roll through stop signs yeah you're not overconfident with your ability to drive yeah that makes sense did you see anything on this study that had like a timeline as far as years or was it just because i did see something as far as you know like ten thousand hours you become a master at something uh yeah this wasn't really um it was just a short-term test. Mm-hmm. So how they did it was three different categories. So the three different things they tested, which I thought was kind of weird, it was uh, humor, logical reasoning, and English grammar. Mm. And they did tests on this. They asked the people, okay, how did you think you did on the test? And um, 
Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, which I thought it was really weird that humor was one of the categories they did. They had a panel of like uh, how funny they thought they were. Yeah, like the quality of thirty different jokes. Hmm. And you rate them from one to not funny at all to eleven being very funny, which that's another weird scale. That is weird. Eleven. Unless they just had a joke that was awesome. (laughs) They're like, oh, crap. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that last one was a 10. This one's a letter. That's a letter. (laughs) (laughs) Just actually rolling around laughing. (laughs) They read the 10 before the 11. They're like, that's a 10. Oh, geez, this guy, though. (laughs) Bump him up one more. (laughs) Yeah, and... Interesting. How they measured it based off of how well you did on the questionnaire was they had a panel of comedians rate the jokes interesting it's very weird that i don't know something as subjective as humor that you're like this guy's an expert on humor and it doesn't seem like that's something you can really get better at humor yeah i don't know well i mean if you're doing stand-up obviously you can you know your timing can get better you can figure out more jokes but i think your sense of humor just changes and evolves with you it's you can think the stupidest thing is just the funniest thing. No one else will get it. Does that mean you're better or worse? Where does that put you on a zero to 11 scale? Like, <laughs> I'm going to use that from now on. I'll be like, that, that was a nine. Dude, solid eight. Yeah, solid eight. <laughs> 11. Damn, that's a 12. <laughs> the other graph I saw was... Uh, it was going through like career path. This is the one that had the mastery at 10,000 hours. And uh, what I found interesting is once you, so you go, so you get to the valley of despair, right? The low confidence and then the slope of enlightenment. And then you, around there, you get to your 10,000 hour mastery. And then you have a plateau of productivity, right? And this is talking about like a career path. And then what sucks is once you get to the highest level of expertise is about when you retire and then at the tail end of the curve, you start going down, and that was called forgetfulness. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so you start, like, forgetting the things that you had learned through your career. And what was so discouraging was... So, wait, is it, like, sort of fog rhythmic? Yeah. It look, well, this is what I was looking at. Oh, for your curve. Yeah. Oh, it's, so it's they're, they're still using that same... Yep, it's still the curve, but it showed the more of the tail end of it, where once you retire, you have forgetfulness, and you start forgetting. But what I found so discouraging is it seemed like the amount of time between when you have the most expertise and when you retire was so short. Yeah, I I don't know about applying the curve to professional to mastery, because I would think that would feel a lot more logarithmic. Mm -hmm. So you improve really fast at the beginning and Mm -hmm. then it's like slowly you get less and less positive gains Mm -hmm. because it gets more complex or lack of time or but. I, I could see like the self assessment totally working with um you know, your ten thousand hours of mastery. Uh-huh. And about the ten thousand hours. Dude, it would suck to you know, um I've spent ten thousand hours in piano. I've dedicated my whole life to this practice. I mean, I'm alright. You know? <laughs> that yeah. That's what I didn't like either. Like, yeah, I, I'm okay. Yeah. You earn all of this competence and then you have no confidence you're just like i'm a genius but i hate myself (laughs) to put that in perspective isn't 
10,000 hours like two years or something like that. Um, well, if we do it by days. It's 416 days. So a little rough estimation on my part. So that's just like 416 days straight of your mastery activity. Right? So what would that be reasonably, though? So if you divided, I guess, if, what would you have to do? Multiply that by eight? Like assuming that you can spend eight hours, seven days a week performing the task? Because if you broke that into eight-hour chunks, if you took like an eight-hour day. Oh, it'd take eight times longer. You'd yeah. multiply by yeah. eight. Yeah. Okay, so 3,333. So if you're doing your whole eight-hour thing, that would take nine years. Nine years of seven like days a week. consistent practice. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> we got to do more podcasts, Matt. <laughs> we record well, eight hours a day. <laughs> oh, dude, recording eight hours. I'd just be like, and the other thing? Yeah. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about the weather. Like It reminds me, I was uh, talking to my grandpa one time, you know, mm-hmm. call him up on his birthday. and uh, We'd been talking about an hour, and he's like, well, I think I'm just about out of words. I... <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I think we, do, should we just listen to each other breathe now? I don't know. <laughs> What was that last thing you wanted to read? I have a wonderful quote by Charles Charles Bukowski. He was he was uh, somehow related to this curve in a way, but <laughs> and he says the problem with the world is that the intelligent people are full of doubts, while the stupid ones are full of confidence. The Dunning Kruger curve, as we've seen, plays extremely well into our podcasting life. I'm sure you can associate it with. All different avenues of activities that you do in your your daily life. I implore you to look at it and to anticipate the Valley of Despair. That is what we have found. Better helps it. I'm definitely going to use that in my professional life going forward as I know absolutely jack about anything. And I've I've realized that. Yeah, it definitely feels better to anticipate the Valley of Despair. But uh, I have a wonderful quote by Charles, Charles Bukowski. He was... He was uh, somehow related to this curve, in a way. (laughs) And he says, The problem with the world is that the intelligent people are full of doubts, while the stupid ones are full of confidence. And we uh, look forward to releasing the wine podcast here pretty soon. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will be publishing another one real soon. Unless we give up in the Valley of Despair. Nah. Okay. (laughs) Have a good night.